a parable may be well known to you, may, may not be. Uh, it's well known, uh, it's entitled the parable of the talents in some Bibles, it's the parable of the uh, bags of gold and some other versions, it's the parable of the three servants. But we're in part three of our series, Better Together. We hope you've been enjoying that and uh, seven vital ways to connect seven weeks. We're talking about being better together. The first week, you might remember, we talked about connect groups. And uh, we said that uh, it's important to connect in a circle, not just in rows, because we drift in life. Remember the word that we drift in life, don't we? We drift in our singleness. We drift in our marriages. We drift in our relationships. We drift in discipline. We drift, don't we? We drift. So it's important that we get to share life because there are certain things that will happen in circles that will never happen in rows. And so that was week number one. Feel free to get online and check that out. We have our whole services live on demand. And welcome once again to those who are participating online. It's great to have you with us. Second week, last week we talked about water baptism. Remember that? We had a number of responses. I want you to know at the end of the service uh, last week, a number of people responded to water baptism. And uh, so that's just the start of a stream of baptisms that we'll have over coming weeks. And uh, maybe that uh, you're thinking and praying through that. We certainly encourage you in regards to that to get in touch with us and uh, fill in your Connect card. There's a box there on the back of your Connect card. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, celebrating with you on your Baptism Sunday as we celebrated with Carly this morning. And today, third week, week number three, we're talking about serving, using our spiritual gifts. And I was reminded this week of a special couple in the life of our church who have been serving for many, many years. In fact, on Wednesday, they celebrated, wait for it, 69 years of marriage. And uh, I know Aunt Peg's not here this morning, but Uncle Don is. And uh, many of us know Don and Peg, and we will celebrate them each and every year, won't we? And give thanks to God for each and every year. We look forward to celebrating 70 next year with you, Uncle Don. I'm sure Aunt Peg's probably watching online, so hi, Aunt Peg. <laughs> but congratulations on Wednesday for your 69 years of marriage. Matthew chapter 25 is a text. I hope we listen carefully. We won't read that again. Thanks to Craig for reading the Bible uh, passage to us there this morning. But just a bit of a background if we could. Matthew chapter 25 was the chapter we talked about. Feel free if you've got your Bible here this morning or your YouVersion app. Feel free to open that. Um, there'll be some certain, certainly be some slides on the screen this morning. But can we just go back to Matthew 24? Because Matthew 24 sets the scene for us in what... Uh, Jesus was teaching us in the parable of the talents. Let's just, let's just remind ourselves of where Jesus was coming from and why he spoke out this particular parable this morning. Now, Jesus had uh, entered into Jerusalem. This is the background for the final time. You might remember that he wept over the city. Why did he weep over the city? When people were rejoicing, they were celebrating, they were cheering him on, yet Jesus, our Lord and Savior, finds himself sobbing. Hosanna, Hosanna, the crowds cried. It would move from Hosanna crying Hosanna to soon be to crucify, crucify him. And Jesus knew what was coming around the corner, that sense of betrayal within his life. And so in Matthew 24, 
We see him weeping over Jerusalem, and his disciples have questions. If you have a read of Matthew chapter 24, you'll see some of the questions. Some of the questions include questions about end of times. How many of us know that there are still a lot of questions about the end of times? So the disciples certainly had a lot of questions, and I was saying, come on, bring it on. Let's bring on the end of the world now. Now, and so Jesus goes on. He tells a number of parables. He says, while you're waiting, disciples, while you're waiting for the end of the world, I want you to do a few things for me while you are waiting. First of all, I want you to be watchful. You read Matthew 24, by the way. I want you to be prepared. I want you to be faithful. But most of all, disciples, listen up. I want you to be productive while you're waiting for the end of the world during this time. And so one of these parables he goes on to talk about in Matthew 25 is what? The parable of the talents, the parable of the three servants and the three bags of gold, which we've just read here this morning. And I guess just a bit of a summary of this particular parable, there, there are kind of a, two or three different scenes unfolding here, aren't there? There's scenes of joy and scenes of celebration, yet there's a scene that ends in complete tragedy, utter chaos. Now, you would have thought, if you think about the three servants just for a moment, especially the one who had one bag, that's all he had, one bag of gold, that's all he had to take care of, you would think that this servant had the easiest job out of all the three servants, but no, that wasn't the case. He was reprimanded, as we read, as we unfold in those final few verses, and it ended up in complete tragedy for this third servant. So... These few verses in Matthew chapter 24, we ask a few questions. I don't know about you, I certainly ask a number of questions about this parable. First of all, well, what's the meaning of this parable? What is, who is the wicked servant? Some would think was that the, the religious leaders of the day, the parables, uh, the, sorry, the, um, the, the um, um, who am I thinking about? The Pharisees, sorry, the parables. The, the Pharisees, of course. Some think maybe it was them. And no doubt, no doubt, the master that's referred in this particular story was God. God is the owner. He owns everything. The three servants represent various people who had the interactions with God. What is Jesus saying to his disciples through this parable? What is Matthew saying to us? via the Holy Spirit, by recording this for you and I to read down the ages. Aren't we saved by grace, not of by works? Okay, who's God in this? What's God looking like this? Is, is, isn't God hard in this parable? I, I thought God was a loving, caring, giving, forgiving God. What does this parable teach us in regards to what God is like? Let's try to attempt to answer. And let's talk about some of these questions. Maybe in your connect groups this week, you could talk about it even more. But like most parables, Jesus is teaching us a number of things. You see, there are layers of meaning in this parable. I'm sure you could come up with a few things yourself. And so, by the way, before we do go any further, just in case, a parable is this. It's a story or illustration that teaches practical principles for living. A story or illustration that teaches practical principles for living. So this is what Jesus, this is a story. This is Jesus teaching his disciples. Remember Matthew 24? 
a lot of questions about the end of the world. Come on, Jesus, what's going on? And so Jesus teaches them, while we are waiting for that, let's, let's get practical. Let's become productive in this, these lives that we have been blessed with. So just a couple of thoughts, three quick thoughts here this morning in regards to this parable. The first thought is this. Number one is that God gives to each one of us resources according to our ability. Did you pick that up in the story? I think in verse 15, somewhere around there. According to their ability, God gave them God gave them resources according to their ability. Once again, God gives to each one of us resources according to our ability. And like the master, God enables to all people a portion of his resources. And he expects us to act and to be good managers, to manage what you and I have been given and blessed with. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. As your word continues to unfold before us, we pray that you would bring the light, the hope, and the truth to it, and you would receive all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Three servants, you might remember this story. The three servants, they were given different amounts. Do you know if you remember the first servant? What was the first servant given? They was given five bags of gold. Very good. The second servant was given what? How many bags? Two bags, five bags, two bags, and then the third servant we've already talked about was given one bag of gold according to what? Their ability. According to their ability, verse 15, Matthew 25, feel free. Now, let's go to our economy because in our economy, this includes all that you and I have been given. What have you and I been given? We've been given talents. (laughs) We've been given gifts. Um, our time and our opportunities, everything that God has entrusted to you and to me. So this parable teaches us that we have received incredible resources. So what we actually have to do is get in there and open these bags of resources and gifts and talents and discover what God has given to you and I. Now, not just notice in the moment with this story that the servants didn't actually decide what was given to them. Now, we'd all love five bags of gold, wouldn't we? We'd all love five bags of gold. But who decided? The servants didn't decide. Who decided? The master decided what was to be given to the servants. So the servants actually had to deal with what was given to them. Let's press pause. We'll press play in a moment. God has gifted you And your purpose in life isn't so much something that you decide as much as it is something you discover. You discover. We get out there. We give it a go. Let's press play again. (laughs) Throw it up, Pete. What have we got there? Sermon illustration number one this morning. Anyone know what this is? Can you see? What is, oh, all the ice cream lovers, ice cream scoop, ice cream scoop, that's what it is. Who loves ice cream? Yeah, I love ice cream. Favorite color? White, yeah, strawberry, yeah, strawberry. Anyway, um, we'll go there. Um, so ice cream scoop. And this ice cream scoop, how many of us know when it comes to ice cream scoop, how many bent spoons do you think were thrown out over the years? Do anyone remember, anyone remember when these were invented? You remember, no one. Yeah, you remember when they was invented? How many people went through so many broken spoons? You see all these broken spoons at the tip. Anyway, anyway. 
And so an ice cream scoop, they decided to design this ice cream scoop. I don't know about you, but in my family, we generally have ice cream every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. And uh, if, if my kids had their way, they'd have it every day. And so we had to play the law when they were younger, every Tuesday night, every Thursday night, and Sundays generally. Um, but anyway, um, so how many of us know that uh, when this came out, it was designed with a purpose in mind? Now, for those of us who maybe are gardeners out there, uh, have a think about what you could do, this, do with this in the garden. A bit of weeding, maybe. maybe. Maybe if you're a builder, you could use this, maybe this end, with a, you know, the, the bang and the nail, maybe for a couple of nails that might last week. If somebody annoys you, you could, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But I guess when it comes to our ice cream scoop, uh, there are many things we could possibly do with this, but it functions best when we use it for its purpose that the designer, first of all, had in mind. And the same thing goes for you and I, doesn't it? The same goes for you and I, that we are our most happiest, maybe most fulfilled and fruitful when we discover the way in which God shaped you. Thanks, Pete, for that illustration this morning. Rick Warren is a pastor and author, and uh, he developed the, uh, sorry, he wrote the book, uh, Purpose Driven Life, that we've certainly worked through over the years in this church. And by the way, if you're wondering about your own shape, it's a great book to start with. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. And he came up with this idea, he's great with the acronyms, he's the master of acronyms. And he came up with this idea of discovering your shape, S-H-A-P-E. By the way, not physical shape, all right? Not physical, not talking about that. But it's the way that God has designed you, the way that God has resourced you and I. S, what does it stand for? It stands for spiritual gifts, he says. Spiritual gifts. And uh, every believer has received one or more spiritual gifts. I think we've got the passages there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. List the spiritual gifts for you and I to maybe to have a read through this week. What our spiritual gifts are. Ah, now some of you have pastoral gifts. Long story cut short with those three passages. Some of you have evangelistic gifts. Some of you have entrepreneurial, pioneering gifts. Some of you have prophetic, not pathetic, prophetic gifts. Some of you have gifts of mercy. Some of you don't have gifts of mercy. Some of you have gifts of encouragement. Some of you have gifts of help. Some of you love the administration and organization of things. Have you discovered your spiritual gifts? Once again, how do I discover? Well, you've got to step out. You've got to try a few things. You've got to help people. Did it help people? Were you affirmed along the way? Did it have an impact in a certain situation or in somebody's life or people's lives? Step out and start using your spiritual gifts. Find out. H, what does that stand for? H, H stands for heart. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And each and every one of us has different desires, don't we? And so what do you get excited about? Or, or maybe another way of looking at this, who are your heroes in life? Who do you admire most in this life? What are you passionate about? Or also on the other side of that, what annoys you most that you just want to get in there and fix? Sort it out. Maybe that helps you with your heart. So can I encourage each of us to take time and read your heart? 
because it's certainly a part of God's shape for our lives. A, S-H, we're up to A, stands for our abilities. These are the things that we are good at. And of course, we can't be good at everything. You know, some people you just see in life, they just seem to be good at everything. They just seem to be, seem to be. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not. It's amazing. Anyway, um, they're not good at everything. Rick Warren says this. He says, if you take, this is interesting, if you take your passion, what you care about, and you take your abilities, what you're good at, and intercept them, you have your mission in life. That's our contribution. That's our, in our abilities. P stands for, S-H-A, P stands for personality. You may be introverted, you may be extroverted, or you may be, say this with me, ambiverted. Very good. What's an ambivert? Well, that's a bit of both, I think, from what I understand. There's somewhere in the middle. For example, I love to be with people. I got into this to help people and serve people and love people and all that kind of stuff. But I love to be alone. I love to be alone. Anyway, um, <laughs> thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> but some of us, we love to work with people. With some of us are task-oriented. Some of us, we love to work alone or with teams or we love to lead the crowd or we love to follow and support. That's our personality, just in a quick summary. Once again, the Purpose Driven Life book will help you with this. And the Bible, of course. E, this is the final letter, right? S-H-A-P-E, here we are, here we are, experience. This is our experience. And my question to you in regards to this is, what have you gone through in life? What have you experienced in life? Because I've discovered in life, in God, nothing is wasted. Our failures, our mistakes, the hurts, God has a way to transform your and my mess into an incredible message. Wasn't a great message that Carly spoke to us this morning from the waters of baptism. And I guess speaking personally, just for a moment, if I could, I've certainly experienced some painful personal experiences in my life. And I've been able, uh, open to God using those experiences in me. And because of that, I've developed a deeper level of empathy and compassion. And whilst it was difficult, and it was difficult, it has not been wasted. So, what's your experience? Well, what have you been through in this life that helps shape you to help shape others to help shape uh, the future? And so every one of us have this unique S-H-A-P shape. And this parable, back to the parable, is certainly telling us that God's given us those resources that shape our lives. And our job is to take time to discover what that is. Uh, can we put that picture up? Is that okay? Are we familiar with this person? Oh, oh, oh. No, this one. This one. This one. Are we familiar? Anyone familiar with this guy? He's been on 60 Minutes. He is an Australian, I think now based in America, um, travels the world speaking the good news. Now, this is Nick... Void... Anyway, you can pronounce Void... <laughs> And he, he doesn't have any arms and legs. Now, he could have kind of stood up at the start of his life and gone, what's going on there? Where, where's my arms and where's my legs? He could have easily complained, but he didn't look at what he didn't have. And because of that, 
And I've followed his journey for many years, even before he became well-known across the world. I've known of him for many years, never met him, but certainly known of him. He's written books and, and he speaks, you know, incredible places where no one was probably ever invited into. He gets invited into. And so he now lives a life of contribution because he didn't look at what he didn't have. And so I'm encouraging us with this particular point at, to look at who God's made you to be and what is in your hand? I said this last year. I felt it was a prophetic word for us to be who you are and to be where you are. I just felt to speak that over us again this morning. Second reflection in regards to this is that God is pleased. God is pleased, we find in this parable. God is pleased when we use what's been given to us. Let's just notice a couple of things, what the master's doing here, because you notice that the master actually returns. There's that sense of accountability, right? What have you done? Servant one, two, and three, what have you done with what I have given you? There's that accountability. There's a report. So the, service, the servants bring what they have gained. The first has gained five more. The second has gained two more. And the master commends them. Press pause. We'll press play in a moment. It's very rare, very rare in those days for a master to commend a servant. It's revealing the character and nature in God right in this moment. And Jesus is sharing the story. This is what God is like. So the master commends, press play, the master commends them, and it's rare. He is pleased with what has been returned to him. And so the question isn't, will you volunteer or not? The question is, are you using what God has given to you? Because my next point is this, well, not the third big point, kind of a sub point, is that if you are a follower of Jesus in the kingdom, you aren't just saved, you are called. So the question then becomes, have you responded to the call. Uh, maybe if I could just bring it down to earth just for a moment, ask this question. It's like being in a family, and if you're a teenager, those who have teenagers, you. It's like being in a family, and you have this teenager. You, 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 you don't volunteer, teenager, to clean your room. You are called, <laughs> demanded by some parents, to clean your room. <laughs> and so 2 Timothy, let me support this, this is in Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9, says this. He has saved, say this word with me, he has saved us, and what's this next word? Called, saved, called, saved, called. He has saved and called us to a holy life, not because, by the way, not because of anything we have done, <laughs> Look what I have done. But because of his own purpose and grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. We are what? We are saved and called. So my question to us this morning is, have you responded to the call? Because if we're only saved to go to heaven, we may as well go now. And when we baptize people, we may as well hold them under a little longer and let's get them, send them to heaven now. <sighs> if you are visiting this morning, if you are participating online, we would never do that. <laughs> but we haven't just been saved. We haven't just been saved, according to the Apostle Pete, Pete Paul. 
here it was, wasn't it? Paul, yes, Paul to Timothy, of course. And so we haven't just been saved, so we can just go to heaven. We have been saved and called. And we're finding now with this parable that the master, that God himself is pleased when we use the gifts and the resources that he's placed in our hands, in our hearts, and in our lives. So from there, we move from being a consumer to a contributor, from a spectator, isn't that a great place to be? Yes, how you do it, a spectator, to a participator. We need everyone using their gifts in the church. You know that puzzle that you do, and there's one piece of that puzzle that's missing. There's nothing worse, is there, than seeing that piece of the puzzle that's missing. And I guess that's like the church in a way where we are incomplete without your contribution. Now, of course, some of us play more prominent roles. Some of us play behind-the-scene roles. Either way, they are significant roles. And because of that, a week or so ago, I uh, asked the staff via email. I said, the staff, I'm bringing this message before the congregation on this date, Feb 26. What kind of need is out there in your area of ministry that people could immediately pretty, pretty much jump into and I, I put together a bit of an overview of the areas of our greater needs in the life of our church. Because you may come and visit a large, growing church like ours and kind of go, they don't really need me. I, I, it's, a, it's a lie from the pit of hell, by the way. All right, so we do need you. And here's an opportunity to connect with us. Here we go. So uh, you can read them for yourself. We've got Sunday church roles. We are in need for creative hosts, serving teams, hope discovery kids. Of course, they're worshiping in the moment and we've spread our wings to the small auditorium. We had our largest attendance of children, over 100 children last Sunday. Thanks to Dorothy and the team. They're doing a great job. And so we need help with those areas. Hosts, assistants, child carers, coffee cart workers, uh, youth work, of course, Hope Central weekly administrative assistance. I think that was all. Did we have a couple, Amanda? Or was just the one? That's the one. All right, we'll leave it at that if there's no more there. So they're just, it's like a bit of an overview. So we do have, was there another slide? No? No. Fantastic. All right. And so I'm encouraged to really be praying about that, how you can get in and get your hands dirty and uh, serve in those areas. Can I add a PS right here just for a moment? And it's this. <clears throat> At Door of Hope, we understand that serving in church is not the only part of your calling in life. You see, for many of you, your job is very much a part of your ministry. And those for you at home with family, we understand it's very much part of your ministry. Uh, also, of course, in our neighborhoods, very much part of our ministry. You just want to acknowledge that here this morning. As we move on to the third reflection, and it's this third and final one, and Brad and Tim, feel free when you're ready, that God is displeased when we play it safe and refuse to risk. God is displeased. So he goes from being pleased to displeased. <laughs> that sudden change of scene, the first scene, the second scene, and then the third scene that starts to unfold. What does the third scene include? The third scene includes this third servant. What does he do? He digs a hole in the ground where he hid his bag of gold because he did nothing with this bag. And the main problem we read in this passage, if you, if you heard carefully, if you read carefully, his main problem was what? His attitude. His attitude to the master. What was, he, what, what was going on in his life in regards to his attitude? It, the Bible says that he was afraid. He was living in fear. And maybe for some of us, Maybe for some of us, 
We're afraid of criticism. We're afraid of stepping out because we know it's going to cost. It's going to cost. What's it going to cost? It might cost some money. It might cost a relationship. It might cost time. It might cost energy. It might cost another opportunity elsewhere. Criticism and fear holding us back as it held this third servant back. And the master in verse 26, this is where the story and the three scenes really, the tone starts to, to, to shift. And he says what? You wicked, lazy servant. I don't know about I, I don't know about you, but when I read when I was reading this, it's kind of like, whoa, whoa, wait on. If the master, if my boss said that about me, I, I, something's gonna happen there. But the tone shifts in this story that we're reading this morning, this parable, life principle parable that Jesus is teaching his disciples, Matthew's teaching us through the Holy Spirit. You wicked, lazy servant. Very, very strong words. Why why would you use such strong words? Because it's this. The master says you didn't even try. You didn't even do what the Aussies always say. Get out there, give it a go. You didn't give it a go. (laughs) You didn't step out. And as we just bring this into landing, we think about this parable just for a moment. We think about what God is like. Do you remember what we've been talking about? What's God like in this parable? Think about it. There are layers, aren't there? I think some of the things we find out about God that He's trusting. There you go. It's the gift. I give to you. He's trusting. Oh, it's yours. It's yours. I trust you. First, I think the thing we find out about God's character in this, in this parable is that He's trusting. Maybe another thing we find out is this He's empowering. Releases go. He empowers us to therefore go and use what you and I have been given in this one and only life. And I think maybe another thing we find out is that He shares His resources with us. By the way, they're not ours, but He shares them with us and He trusts us and He empowers us. But He's also encouraging, isn't He, in this passage. He's encouraging. He's an encouraging God. He doesn't sit there like that. He sits there like that. He's an encouraging, faithful Father. When we use, when we use what we have been given, but also we come to the final scene. What's the, what's the character of God in this final scene? Maybe could I suggest this morning the word serious. There's a serious side to God. That He expects you and I to return and to take those risks because He Himself is what a risk taker, is He not? Jesus, you think about these disciples watching his life unfold, who he sat with, who he spoke to, the places that he went that no other person would go to. So Jesus himself wasn't safe. He wasn't predictable. He wasn't comfortable. And the servant, the third servant wasn't punished for losing the gold. The the third servant was punished for not even trying to invest it. 
not even trying. As we come to a time of what we do here in each and every Sunday, it's called communion, where we commune, we share a meal with each other. This morning, we're invited to reflect and to think about what He has invested in you and I. And one final passage before I pray, and it's this. It's one Peter, the Apostle Peter. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Let's pray. And just as we remember Jesus, the servant who came to serve and not be served, we remember Jesus. We remember the time as he took his disciples and sat them and washed their dirty feet. I remember many a time where he'd stop all of a sudden and in the crowd there was a sick person and he'd spend time serving the people. He would serve those who'd need to be raised from the dead. He would serve that wedding that day of turning water into wine. He was a servant. He would serve the people by forgiving the people. He would serve the people by being the rabbi, by being a teacher. He would serve the people by serving, not being served. And ultimately, he would serve the people by dying on the cross. So one final question. As we've asked this question these last two Sundays, I want to ask the third question. Just look at the screen just for a moment. I'll continue to pray just in a moment. I want to ask you this one final question as I've asked you these last two Sundays. And it's this question that's on the screen right now. Why do we feel like we don't need this? Hmm. When Jesus clearly did. Thank you, Father, for this amazing parable, these two scenes of great joy and a sad scene of great tragedy, that life is to be filled with joy, but there is a seriousness to this life where we will be held accountable for which and what you have blessed us with. And I pray each of us would take the time to discover who we are, not who other people have told us to be, not what our role and title tells us, but you would help us discover afresh what each and every single shape is in this room. Thank you, Father, for those who are serving faithfully, some for many, many years. May a new joy be found in this adventure, and may the world be blessed by the gifts and joy of our lives because of all that you are and all that you've done. We thank you.